The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Stage Door Show tonight. This is Dave Hondell. I'm honored to have tonight's guest. She's a national correspondent for CNN and also accomplished singer and musical theater performer. Please welcome to the show, Natasha Chen. Natasha, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun. Well, we're, we're so happy that you're with us. And, you know, people recognize you as a national correspondent on CNN. But what most people don't know is that you're also a theater performer and a singer. Being a performer, did that help you, uh, you know, in your job now? I mean, kind of being able to shift from here and there for, you know, things moving so fluid. Did that help you in that Regardless. There's definitely a lot of crossover. Yeah. The one, one has helped the other and, and vice versa. Um, so I not only did a lot of theater growing up and singing, but uh, my family had us participate in Mandarin speech contests and reciting poetry. So there's been a long time of training to speak in front of people. Um, but it's the crossover is really more than just the performance aspect um, and, and presentation. It's, it's really all about storytelling too. So in theater, you know, we're always asking ourselves, what's this character's motivation? Like, what do they want? What conflicts are they coming up against? Um, and I find that that story arc, the understanding story is so crucial as well to telling real stories, nonfiction, sometimes very, very harsh realities. Um, the questions are the same. What does this person want? Why do they want it? What's the problem? Of course, with news, you often don't know the solution at all. There may not be one. Um, and then also another overlap that's helped me from one to the other is this idea of empathy. I think when we're performing in any role, um, taking on a character, it, you're, you're always trying to really understand everything about them to be able to step in their shoes. Um, and, and oftentimes with journalism and storytelling, you're trying to really do the same thing, right? Even if the person is um, not very likable, uh, you have to be very fair in how you're gathering information about that person. Um, for example, one of my favorite roles that I've played, um, I think one of my posters up there <laughs> is um, Ursula from Little Mermaid. Um, I did that with Kitsap Forest Theater right outside of Seattle. I think you've also got some Seattle area experience. I, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, it, yeah, it's it was a great time. And Ursula is uh, this character that, by all accounts, I mean, not very likable. She's killing other creatures. She's power hungry. Um, but you know, you have to show empathy to be able to play her. It, it's too easy, too basic to just make her this over the top villain. Um, and and in journalism, in real life, you're you're looking at some people who are very clear cut in the wrong things that they've done. So then the question is, how do we still be empathetic in gathering this person's story, perhaps just in order to make sure that no, that other people don't become that, that other people don't fall into the same patterns or mistakes, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, also being in front of the camera, uh, you know, your theater background, did it give you confidence to be in front of the camera and, and talk to people and because uh, I think, you know, my, my kids both did theater for many years, and it really gave them a lot of confidence to deal with situations outside of the theater, just in normal everyday life, because you're in front of a lot of people, and maybe maybe you screw up a scene, or you, you mess up your, your, your lines, and you have to kind of, you know, 
change things around, but you have to have the confidence to be able to do that. So did, did it give you confidence as well? Uh, absolutely. I think anybody, it, it's actually more nerve wracking if you think about standing in front of a 2000 seat theater, you're, you're seeing those people, um, even though they're in the dark, you can see their faces. With the TV, you don't see anyone's face. You just stare into a camera lens. So in that respect, it is slightly easier. Um, but yes, there are very you know, public settings um, where things can change on a dime. And that's where anyone who's done improv has a lot of skill and confidence in that. You know, it's always yes and, but it, there's a twist there because you're you know, identifying how someone else maybe your interview subject, maybe you're in the middle of an event, a protest and whatnot, where someone else has changed the, the rules of engagement or someone else has done something to change the environment and your team really has to think quickly and um, adapt to that and sometimes maybe ask a challenge follow-up question based on what they just threw out there. Um, and, and yes, we all make mistakes, right? Everyone remembers their first onstage mistake. I was I was five, I was in a ballet performance and I got in the wrong circle. <laughs> and then I just stopped and I froze downstage center, giggling my head off. Um, and I got in so much trouble for that. But uh, it, at the end of the day, it's the practice from getting to that, from that point where you're giggling at your mistake and just jumping in at the next known marker, something that gets you necessarily be back on track but just how do you pivot and move on um and and that in in a very different way happened to me um in a live uh live shot situation in seattle i was a local reporter there doing a, a story outside of a hospital and somebody who's uh he was actually a relative of the person that i was reporting on just came up from behind me and surprised us during the live shot which you know, it, it can be a very dangerous situation because you don't know what people are walking up on you with if they're sure. armed, etc. He was very upset. Um, I started trying to do a live interview with him and he got upset at my line of questioning. And it's those kinds of moments you have to pivot, right? Figure out what is the safest thing for right. our crew while also getting um, as much as you can out of the story. And so I just changed the question. I said, you know, what message do you want people to hear? about this and let him say something yeah 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 um you know and before before we started recording and we talked about a there was a clip that you put on in your instagram and you're you're a big hamilton fan correct i am who's not really <laughs> right well i mean i was so impressed by your singing and, and i think you won an award for that but uh i want to play a clip so so our listeners can can hear that but uh we have a special guest that actually wants to join us and listen in if that's okay with you oh so, my goodness sure. okay we'll, we'll, we'll actually bring him in right now so Hey, how are you doing, Chris? Chris, uh, Chris Rice from Hamilton, the tour oh of Hamilton. Uh, meet Natasha. Hello. Penn. <laughs> Hi. How's it going, Natasha? It's going great. It's so nice to meet you virtually. <laughs> nice to meet. Nice to meet you virtually as well. Thank you so much for joining us. And I was just mentioning to our listeners that uh, Natasha has a clip on her Instagram where she sings Hamilton. And I wanted you to join us today. So I know you're in the middle of a big move, Chris. So thank you for taking the time to, uh, to come on to, to listen with us. Of course. I, got a lot, I can't lie, though. Um, I've actually seen the clip, but I'm excited to watch it again. Okay. <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's watch the clip here and we'll, we'll talk about it afterwards. 
What the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom, of seeing the light. It's been Franklin with the key and a kite. You see it, right? The conversation lasts two minutes, maybe three minutes. Everything we said in total agreement. It's a dream and it's a bit of a dance. It's a bit of a posture, it's a bit of a stance. He's a bit of a flirt, but I'ma give it a chance. I asked about his family. Did you see his answer? His hands started fidgeting. He looked askance. His penniless is fine by the seat of his pants. Handsome boy, does he know it? Peach fuzz and he can't even grow it. I want to take him far away from this place. Then I turn and see my sister's face and she is helpless. Oh, she is helpless. I just helpless. And I realize three fundamental truths at the exact same time. That's awesome. Great job. So great. <laughs> I cannot believe you just watched that. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I'm so glad I got to. It's okay. It's one thing to be great at rapping. I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of Hamilton fans out there, right? So people can rap and put it on their Instagram or their TikTok, whatever. And you see some great ones. You see some fun ones, you know. Um, but your rapping was great. But then also when you go to your singing, like your voice is top notch. I was like, maybe Broadway's in your future. I mean, oh, that's great. You're option up. You're different, um, you know, optional like melodies above with your riffs was so beautiful so smooth i'm like i was thoroughly impressed i that is that means so much coming from you i cannot even tell you i um it, it's it's something that is obviously very fun for me but i am pretty realistic about like not ever making it if i actually tried making a living off of it so. This is, I mean, that's, those so are your own limitations. Those are your own limitations. You're pretty great. And you're so welcome. Oh my gosh, you are so uh, deserving of all those accolades. And I hope this video gets tons of traction. I'm going to share it on my social media later. And uh, uh, it's, it's so nice to chat with you. And also your career's already taken off and doing great. So who's to say you can't do both? You know, some CNN, some Broadway, maybe at the same time even. That sounds like a good press deal. David should get a commission on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. And thank you again for joining us, uh, Chris. I, I can't thank you enough. And, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, have a great one and a great move. Great move. Uh, you know, I know it's hard to move. So thank you. Thanks so much for sharing. Thank okay. you. It was right, so nice to, to meet you. Nice talking to you, Natasha. Nice to meet you too. Congrats. I'll see you later. Bye, Chris. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Dave. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm, like, super embarrassed or I'm so, so nervous. <laughs> well, anyway, um, I wanted to surprise you, so I'm glad I'm glad he came on. And uh, okay. you know, speaking of that, when did you when did you discover? You know, you always were interested in music, obviously, but when did you discover that voice that you had, that gift of your voice? Uh, I that's a um that's a complicated one. I feel like well, okay, my whole family sings. My my parents actually met in a chorus in Berkeley um, when they were in college. Um, so music was always in our house. And my dad, he's this really strange character who by profession is an astrophysicist, but has hobbies um, dabbling in all sorts of arts. Like he paints, he's written a play, he conducts uh, choruses and uh, for fun. So when we were growing up, he conducted a chorus on the weekends and that's how our entire family got to do a lot of singing together. 
Um, and I actually started to practice more singing that way with him um, instead of just playing instruments. Um, and, and I did a lot of school theater as well, you know, middle school, high school theater. And I'll be honest, I didn't really land major roles in school. Um, so for quite a while there, I was really unsure that I could, you know, lead any show or, or solo much of anything. It was really collegiate acapella. And those of you who have done college acapella know what kind of a cult that is. Um, and you know that like that becomes your family, that becomes your, your, your huddle, your people. And, and Stanford Mixed Company is the group that I was in. They really um, made me believe that I could solo anything that I wanted and started practicing a bit more. I think also when we all hit college age, that's sort of when your voice starts to mature a little bit more. You have a little more control over what's going on. Um, so yeah, I kind of came into my own a little bit more then. Well, you know, you, you mentioned your, your family, you know, you're all musically inclined. Did, did your brother, now I see, I've seen uh, <laughs> clips of your brother and you doing uh, holiday, you know, um, jingles and things like that on, on, uh, you know, social media. So did you ever get a chance to perform with your brother on stage? Um, that is one of our, um, I, I, it's like a bucket list item that I would love to do before, you know, our lives are over on this earth. <laughs> it's just because what, I'm so much older than him. I'm seven years older than my brother. So we never crossed over in school at all. We never overlapped. So we didn't get a chance to do any real show together. The only time that we've been on stage together was again, for my dad's uh, chorus performances, um, and I think only then that was only one time also, just because of how much younger he is. Um, curiously, he joined the same acapella group at Stanford, um, but again, never sang at the same time because of our age gap. We do um, reunion concerts with Stanford Mixco every five years. And so we will sing on the same stage at that point. But even then, we're singing with our own cohorts, which are always separated. So, you know, if I ever got the chance to do a show with my brother, I mean, he's a mean bass. Like, he's really, he would make quite a Javert and Les Mis or something. Like, I would love to do that show with him. He's actually um, performing these days, uh, well, you know, COVID virtual performing with um, the workshop acapella group in New York City. So that, so he keeps up his singing that way. Well, that's awesome. I, no, I, I really enjoyed listen, listening. In fact, that's what got me to actually reach out to you was, was the performance that you and your brother did for, I think, the holidays, one of the holiday performances. So that was awesome. Um, the other thing, we have a lot of independent artists that listen to our show and watch our, our YouTube. And, you know, they, a lot of them have other uh, you know, professions, careers. And, you know, this is kind of a side thing for them to, to sing or to act or, or play guitar or whatever they do. Uh, you know, and, but I think, the biggest thing that I, that I see or the biggest, you know, common denominator is the passion for the arts and the passion to create. And I know that you have, you know, you're on TV and, and you do a lot, you know, a lot of uh, spots with CNN and, you know, but you also take time to, you know, to keep up your voice and to, you know, to, to work on that instrument and, and to, you know, be passionate about the arts. So talk about that passion to create and the importance of that in your everyday life, because, you know, obviously we all have our stressful day jobs, but when we do something creative, sometimes it's an outlet for us. So, so talk about that a little bit. Of course it's an outlet. Um, calling it an escape is a little bit too easy, but I think that's absolutely part of it too. I think all of us need an escape 
especially the <laughs> this past year. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to run to tap class. In fact, I'm going to another tap class tonight. I used to run to tap class or theater rehearsal after my live shots in local news in Seattle all the time. And I loved doing that um, to have somewhere that I was going to have something that I was working on, no matter how horrific a news story may have been. Um, and then, you know, the opposite idea of escape is when you're creating something, whether it's music, dance, literature, um, it's really a way of processing what you're seeing in life. It's, it's digesting that information, the, the people that you're watching, the, the experiences that you're having, it's, it's a way of analyzing that, right, into an art form. Um, and also, I think it, it, it be, being able to practice that muscle, um, the creative muscle, it kind of gives us a little bit more permission to be more creative and productive in our other work, in our, in our day jobs, so to speak. Um, to think, think about that work in different ways that other people may not. Um, I'm sure this happens in all industries, but in journalism, it really takes all kinds to be reporters. Um, I, I think my colleagues and I all have various different interests and experiences and, and expertise outside of news, but that's what it takes to, to build a good team of people to cover what's going on because then you're looking at things from all angles and you're, you're not... Um, you know, you're not ignoring certain types of stories or certain people or, or the, or certain perspectives. Yeah. And that's well said. And, uh, you know, the other thing that uh, I wanted to ask you, because, you know, being in the public eye, uh, you know, we have a lot of, uh, like I said, our, our artists, you know, one of the things we try to do is try to teach them uh, some of the lessons from like, you know, my 25 years in the music business or some of the other people that we have on our show, some of the celebrities about how to treat people, uh, that you meet professionally and the importance of that um, being in the public eye and also treating people that, that you meet professionally, whether it's uh, you know, the, you know, somebody cleaning the streets or somebody cleaning, you know, like, like the janitor should be treated the same way as, as um, maybe the president of CNN, uh, you know, th th just the way that you, you handle yourself um, in your role. How important is that to the advancement of your career? It's everything. I mean, every, every moment really where you're interacting with people, whether you think you're being watched or not, it adds to the brand of who you are. And when you ask yourself, what is your brand? You know, how to, how, it, it's, not, it's not about fixating too much on how people think of you. It's more, what are you projecting? What do you want to project? Um, I mean, it, on a very simple level, those of us who've done theater, we all know, we've all seen those people who are, you know, fantastic actors maybe who really ignore the crew or you know treat them as if they're kind of just in the background or second class and they're the stars of the show um when we all know that that crew is the one making everything possible they're they're rolling up their sleeves that though it was it that was part of um you know my high school was um very big in, in, in focusing on the drama department. And we were very lucky to be well-resourced in that respect. But one of the things that was um, really ingrained into our heads was that everybody had to roll up their sleeves. Um, even if you're the, the lead actor in the show or you're the second dancer on the left, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Everybody had to show that mutual respect for the entire community that was putting on this production. And that happens in, in my work now where, you know, my, 
live shot on TV is just really the final touch. There's been so much work that's, that goes into telling that story all the way up to that point. You know, I'm working with a producer to gather all of the right facts and, and get this story right and talk to all the right people, chase after these, you know, threads. Um, and there are so many editors behind the scenes. And then you've got these photojournalists with the cameras and it takes them and the satellite truck guy. It takes so much to put on one thing. And yet, obviously, the audience is really just seeing me. Um, so I think it's really important to keep that in perspective. I'm just the last touch point of this entire process. I'm just delivering the last bit of it to you. Um, but the work is, you know, so much more than what you have seen. And I think that if you're not acknowledging those people who are doing it with you, if you forget that, then nobody wants to work with you, right? It's pretty simple. Absolutely. Um, the other thing is your legacy. I mean, we've talked a lot about um, how to treat people and, and about your, your love for the, the arts and, and, and your career. But what is the one, you know, for your legacy, what is the one thing you want the viewers and people who know you to walk away with when it's all said and done after you've had a long career and, and maybe you retire? But what do you want that your legacy to be? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Deep, right? <laughs> That's a huge question. Well, I think I'm still figuring that out. I think a lot of us are. Um, well, I think since we were just talking about the way we treat people, um, and we all know it's the impression and the legacy we leave is how people feel when they're with us. And with us, I mean, either in person or maybe just watching my work on, on TV, but, um, I hope people feel like they have, um, been able to connect with someone or some idea a little better because, because of my help of connecting that. So it, there, there, there are so many divisions in this country, right. And, and, and people can feel pretty down about that. But I always think that telling a story, especially if you show empathy to all the people involved, there, there are ways to remind folks of how we are connected and how at the end of the day, we all kind of want the same basic things. We want to be loved. We want to be safe. Um, and if I can help make that connection or remind people of those things, then, then I've done my bit. That's well said. Um, and thank you. I know I kind of threw that in, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I appreciate question. that. That was very well said. Uh, before we go, I just, I also want to, you know, being that you have the love of theater, you know, what, what is the one role past or present that you've always either wanted to play, or if you had the opportunity to play, what show and what character would you like to, to play? Okay. So I had to think about this because, <laughs> <laughs> um, some of my favorites are already behind me. So uh, <laughs> Ursula, Ursula and Little Mermaid is definitely one of my favorites. Yep. And um, playing Susan B. Anthony in the new musical that's being written called 19 about the women's suffrage movement um, was really cool just to be part of something that's in the process of still being written. Um, but if I have a dream part of something I haven't done yet, I think I have two. Uh, Kim from Miss Saigon, um, just because of, you know, I mean, who doesn't want to be Leah Salonga? Like it just, exactly. it, if I can just be her, that'll be the dream. Um, and also uh, Millie from Thoroughly Modern Millie, because I have always wanted to do a tap musical oh, um, in all the shows amazing. I've done. 
I mean, I love tap dance and in, in all the shows I've done, I've never gotten to truly uh, tap and sing in the role at the same time. So I think Millie would be great. That's a great role. Um, you know, talk about Nineteen the Musical real quick. I know I, know I, I, I didn't, didn't ask you about that yet, but talk about that uh, musical because that's something that you did recently, correct? I recently, while I was um, still working in DC, uh, there's an, an amazing team behind that. Um, they, the goal was to, I think, try to get that done for the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, but of course COVID happened. But um, just that creative process of being there as the sheet music is being changed every week. You don't know what new thing is coming, what song's being cut. Um, that that was a new experience to be part of an original work. And um, I can't wait to see how the team of 19 puts that forward, even though I'm no longer part of it. But it, I know it has quite some interest. We, we performed even one time, uh, I remember uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand came and saw our show. So wow. hope that I hope that I get to see them um, do that in, in its full form soon. Well, that's incredible. And, and Natasha, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be with me tonight on the show. And, uh, you know, just kudos to everything that you're doing. It, it, we, you're an inspiration to me and others that watch you on CNN. And, uh, you know, in, in the face of danger and the face of everything that you have to do out there as a correspondent, you know, we really appreciate you bringing us a story and doing it, the, you know, the right way, doing it professionally. And, you know, I certainly can't thank you enough for what you do and also taking the time to talk about your passion for the arts, because of course, I guess that, that's my audience is, uh, you know, independent artists. And, uh, you know, we, we appreciate you uh, telling us your story. So thank you for, for being on the show tonight. Well, Dave, thank you so much for finding me and asking me to do this because I rarely get to talk about these subjects, right? Um, in, in the world we live in and the job that I do. So this is super special and I, and I really, really do appreciate the opportunity. 